Alex Glenz, and this is Nintendo World Report's Connectivity Podcast, episode 137, Zack Off. We've got two segments for you this week. First up, myself, Neil, and Johnny reminisce about E3 2004, and after that, the two Zacks talk about game collecting. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to a special edition of Connectivity, where we're going to talk about E3 2004. And I'm Neil Ronahan, and I I wasn't at E3 2004. I was about 16, paying attention to this at my after-school job um, when I was in high school. Uh, but Jonathan Metz and Mike Sklens, um from RFN and Connectivity, respectively, were both there and present. I thought you were going to say from box office poison. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from from CrossCon, straight off the plane from CrossCon. <laughs> Not quite. Um, so, uh, I guess before we dive into Nintendo's E3 2004, uh, what do you guys remember about E3 2004 just kind of as a whole? Oh, <laughs> this was my third E3. Uh, so I was, I was in college at the time and I remember feeling very cool that we got to cut like the fucking gigantic line into the little 3d into the, into the DS sub booth. Yeah, we got to cut the line. <laughs> yeah, you of did. Our good, because of because of your, I guess your good or our good friends at Golan Harris Nintendo's then longtime PR firm. Um, we had good relationships with them, so they like there was like you know like those lines where they're like, here's the booth, and then here's like the smaller part of the booth that has the one thing you really want to see. Yeah, that this was like I think one of the first one of those. Yeah, because the 3DS had an almost identical booth. And the um, Wii had the same thing where they later. had it like behind the curtain. Like you had to wait yeah. in a longer line to get to the <laughs> Wii section. And DS, I think the DS was the very first time any any publisher had done that kind of thing. And people were like, oh my god, you have to wait in this giant line just to fucking see it. It was really weird. We created yeah, this it, real mystery around it. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was huge. And it was an incredible feat. It, it looks like you can imagine it looks kind of ridiculous in this giant exhibition hall for this for their big open booth to have this like shrouded off mysterious like literally a black curtain you know and it just has the big nintendo ds logo <laughs> and everyone who walks by that says oh my god what's in there and they're not showing video they're showing like maybe pictures of it um on the video outside but you don't really get a sense of what it is and uh and so they i mean this was the first year i can remember at e3 nintendo having completely ridiculous lines in their booth like lines that people would stand in for half the day and, and like, this can you imagine and, spending half a day standing in line at E3? Like this isn't PAX, you know, like, th- like you're yeah. supposed to be doing things. You're supposed to be productive at E3. Um, you're supposed to be seeing everything you possibly can because it's just this spastic circus of video games all around you and, and uh, you can never see all of them. And it's, to me, it's amazing that someone could go to E3 and just stand in one place for half a day to see something like that. Now I mean, at least you'd have your DS with you. Yeah, <laughs> right. Or your 3DS. Yeah. Or I guess well, the GBA was out this year, which I'm sure you guys noticed uh, from watching the press conference video. It's, it's, it immediately struck me as weird right off the bat that they were showing GBA games. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. This, is, like, this feels antiquated in a way. Yeah, it, it, was, it was basically the last E3 with a big GBA push. Although I guess Game right. Boy Advance Micro would have been 2005. Yeah, but they didn't really show any new games with that. I don't, were there like really one or two, but not, not yeah. like Fire Emblem, I think, maybe? Yeah, it might have been Sacred Stones, because I think the first Game Boy Advance Fire Emblem game was 03. Yeah, and they had some um, of the Final Fantasy ports, but yeah. uh, but not a full lineup like they had back in uh, 04. 
Yeah. So Johnny, this was your fifth E3? This or? was my fifth E3, my second as director of Planet GameCube. And uh, I mean, I, I kind of groaned a little bit when you said, what What are your memories overall of this E3? Because it's when I, I can rem always remember specific things that happened every year. But my overall feeling of E3 is so smeared across yep. 14 <laughs> years of going at this point that it's really hard for me to isolate like the emo my like emotional condition at the yeah. end of the show for that one. You know, like they're all they're all very similar when you add them up because so much of E3 is the same every year. People don't maybe get that, but the experience is actually very, very regular for me. It's a it's a yearly ritual I've been doing for half my life. So going to E3 is like a lot of it is almost automatic, you know? Um, and the things that I remember the most are the specifics. It's the, it's the cool, you know, the new console announcement or the really weird interview that I got to do and things like that, um, that I get, get kind of excited about, but like an overall feeling, I don't think I could distinguish it. From, <laughs> no, and I mean, not, I certainly couldn't have before I started doing all the research to remind myself, you know, like it didn't stick out that much. I remember it generally being a good year. Like I, it's almost like uh, the Star Wars uh, or the Star Trek sequels, you know. It's like it feels like every other E3. There's a long <laughs> stretch in like the mid 2000s, whereas kind of every other year was really good and every other year was really bad. Yeah, yeah, because we talked about uh, 2003 last year. I think Mike, that was just me and you on a connectivity episode. Yeah, that was that um, was my second E3, and it was sandwiched between what I think were probably the two best E3s that I went to. So, yeah, 03, 03 was a 02 was the was my first E3 and it was the year that they had Mario Sunshine, Wind Animal Waker Crossing. and Metroid Prime all at the same show. And that was when Animal Crossing was introduced and there was yep. there whatever. Was, uh, the 2002 was I, a I could care I could give conference. a shit about anything other than the fact that those three games were yeah. all there and I got to play them bef and it was the most insane thing basically ever it's I, feel, I still think it's the best e3 but a lot of that is probably colored by the fact that it was also my first and it set the bar yeah. really high i know i i would say 2002 is probably my favorite overall um but it, this is it's kind of like ranking Mega Man's because they're they're all so they're all similar to each other that like <laughs> yeah. there's little bitty differences sometimes um because e3 is uh so much of it i feel sort of neutral towards like there are aspects there's that i love I there are aspects I that about, i hate oh. But uh, there's a giant chunk of it that is, like I said, it's really almost like a routine for me. It's like something I have to do every year. It's a, <laughs> it's a rite of passage for the summer. You're like a swallow um, going back to Capistrano. It's like a road. <laughs> it's like driving <laughs> across the country. It's not enjoyable in and of itself, but there's but this feeling of grandeur. And, you know, there's, some, there's something memorable about doing it, even though you didn't really do anything the whole time. I don't know. Yeah, well, um, let's go into what Nintendo coming into E3 2004. Uh, they were not really doing that well because E3 2003, as we were kind of talking about, wasn't wasn't that strong. That was the Pac-Man versus year for people who don't remember. Yeah. Um, that was kind of weak, and this is when Xbox kind of surged ahead and kind of took second place, and PlayStation 2 was kicking ass. And the opening video for Nintendo's press conference was basically built around the idea that we make games worth playing. That was kind of like the, the crux of the opening video showing off stuff like Metroid Prime 2, Star Fox Assault, Resident Evil 4, and a whole other laundry list of games. And then to start off the press conference, the person who comes out is not anyone that we've seen before. It's no. Reggie fils who I guess this is his 10th E3. 
Um, yeah. Because he comes out. I think he was just, I forget wow. his exact title at the time. Um, it was like marketing he was, director or something. Yeah, I believe he was Must the be. new vice president of marketing. Vice president okay. of marketing, that sounds right. They had yeah. just yeah. Uh, shifted some people around um, at that time. I believe George Harrison was the previous VP of marketing. And he was promoted to executive vice president, I believe, <laughs> um, which I've, I think at the time he was the highest ranking non-Japanese member of Nintendo. I, no, I'm sorry, I, I looked it up. Reggie was VP of sales and marketing and uh, George Harrison was Nintendo's senior vice president of marketing and corporate communications. Ah, Okay. <laughs> Tiny sure. differences. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, very similar. Yeah, he, was, he was a VP, and he, I think he, he came from Pizza Hut, right? Something yeah, like yeah. He came he from the, He was the mastermind of uh, the Bigfoot Pizza. Oh, wow. And had sold, I think he had worked for Guinness, one of the beer companies, <laughs> and had done marketing for beer. I remember um, him working for VH1 and giving them a big push into the, like the kind of the right. MTV market. Like He kind of right. brought them into that pop culture world. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid in the 80s, VH1 was felt like it was for older people. It was like yeah. VH1 for people 10 years older than us. Yeah. And uh, Reggie, yeah, he, he introduced he it up video, like a, lot. a bunch, of, bunch of weird stuff. So anyway. But he came on the stage and he said the, I guess, the almost immortal quote. Mm-hmm. My name is Reggie. I'm about kicking ass. I'm about taking names. And we're about making games. Yeah. And then that, that and it's awkward it, even as he says it's it. Yeah. So it's awkward. Immediately awkward and hilarious. Not like it like on one hand, it was the coolest thing anyone from Nintendo had ever said out loud. It, they, they on the other hand, it was like, dude, this isn't exactly like rated R edgy yeah. material here. Yeah. You know? And all of the executives come out to like fucking blasting hip hop in this <laughs> yeah. press conference. It's pretty wonderful. I think this that's, that's kind of like a normal thing now. Or I guess they all come out to like pop music, like big pop music. It just was hip hop at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and that's but this was like really kind of almost the beginning of that. Like two years ago I was in a hotel conference hall at the Biltmore and it's this really small thing and here we are in two thousand four and it's like this massive, massive, massive convention hall they're in just for their press conference. They yeah, were in the, where, this where were they this the, year? Was it the Kodak? Or they no? were no, no, they were in the convention space above the Kodak Theater. Like so, uh, okay. It's huge. It's almost it's a. It must hold at least as many people as the Kodak. It's just yeah. way cheaper to rent. Yeah, it's massive. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then uh, the the press conference started off with stuff like uh, Metroid Prime Two Echoes, Star Fox Assault, a Resident Evil Four trailer. And then Reggie talking about how they're trying to make games for the game experts, but understand that they play games on other systems and they're about satisfying all the gamers um, and making a lot of jokes and stabs at Microsoft. Yeah. Do, do you understand what the context is for all that? Maybe not off the top of my head. So in 2004, going into E3 2004, especially out of 2003, um, there was a lot of talk of Nintendo um, trying like starting to do a lot of stuff that was geared towards younger people this and, was this was like the kitty years right <clears throat> yeah you know it's when we it's when i remember actually god this is this takes me back guys <laughs> i remember on aol instant messenger chatting with max lake oh wow this would have been around <laughs> 2002 2003 and max had a lot of sources this is back when we actually had sources because a lot of these companies were a lot looser back hey, then hey i have a few sources i'm sure you do <laughs> everything's a lot more controlled anymore. now though yeah, yeah all, no, all it definitely out. is <laughs> but uh but we had we had a lot of sources within Nintendo of America they weren't nearly as uh as tight as they are now um 
And sometimes you would just hear things from people who were on official duty, but they would just kind of share something with you kind of off the hand and say, you know, don't, you can't publish this, but you know, like I can show you something. And that just doesn't have, that doesn't exist anymore. I don't think, but back then it, it did happen. And we would just hear things. And I remember Max Lake, I was, this was probably like two in the morning. We're writing stuff. We're editing, you know, and, uh, and we're chatting online and, uh, and Max says, Hey, I heard this weird rumor about a game Nintendo's making. And, and like, you know, people do this crap all the time. They fool their friends or whatever. But with Max, <laughs> like, this was a real tip. Like, he actually knew something. And I might be the first person he's told. And Max had learned that Nintendo might be making a game for babies. <laughs> and I thought, what are you talking about? And he said, like, a game for two-year-olds. And I was like, what? It blew my mind. I was like, how... Who would even, it can't be made up because who would even be crazy enough to make that shit up? And it turned out to be um, Pokemon TV, is that, or the Pokemon channel. Pokemon channel. That's what it was because they were showing this thing where, you know, Meowth was like singing on a stage and he's out on the catwalk and everybody's oh, taking yeah. photos. And the Pokemon idea was channel is a real really, trip. <clears throat> well, the idea was that you're not really playing it so much as you're just kind of directing it. Like you push yep. buttons and flip channels. You can manipulate little pieces of it, but it's not really a, a full interactive experience that you have to understand. The controls are like basically one button. And that's what it was. It was yeah, that is a game for babies. That game was, makes so that's much how, more that is, sense That's not now. a crack at it. That is literally how the game was pitched internally yeah. at Nintendo. Let's make a Pokemon game that the seven-year-olds playing it on GBA can sort of enjoy alongside their toddler siblings. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, because all, all, yeah, all Pokemon Channel is is just basically your channel surfing to different Pokemon related things. Yeah, but yeah, that game does make a hell of a lot more sense. That would okay, be like so. I can't. That should be on an iPad right now. The <laughs> yeah. So the so context uh, of of this kind of thing happening, you know, Zelda Wind Waker coming out, and it, it came out to very good Zelda. reception. But that game looks like a, a cartoon, you know, and that yeah. at the time was kind of a slam against it. So there was a lot of feeling that Nintendo was too kiddie. This is, I mean, really, people were actually using yeah. the word kiddie a yeah, lot. Yeah, no, I remember. It's, wasn't it it's a purple lunchbox, you know. Yeah, they, exactly. The GameCube didn't look cool. It, their system had already been dropped down to $100, which on the one hand was amazing because it was super easy for people to get this awesome system. Yeah. On the other hand, made it look like cheap garbage compared to yep. something like a $300 Xbox at the time. So Even it's just as powerful. Yeah, exactly. Roughly. Um, and, and it was, and they were for the first time feeling squeezed in a three-way market that had not existed three years earlier. Yeah. So they're now competing not only with Sony who they'd already been struggling against mightily for the past, you know, seven or almost years. a decade. Yeah. But now they've got Microsoft and Microsoft, although not at that point had not sold as many Xboxes as GameCubes, they were very close and that's from nothing. That's yeah. from people laughing when you mentioned that Microsoft might make a video game system. Three years, and they later. launched basically. They launched like two or three days apart from each other. Yeah, three three years later, they're uh, they're competing with Nintendo, the king of video game consoles. So yep. Nintendo's feeling a lot of pressure, and that really informs the whole tone of this press conference and of their sort of attitude at this E3, which is that look, we're in charge here. We run this game. We are video games. We don't take orders from anyone. We're doing way better than you think. We're making games for hardcore players who love what we do and understand really complex, uh, mature games. 
And I mean, the video reels, the the, the cutscenes, uh, the clips that they uh, shot from uh, Zelda, all prove this. You know, like Nintendo was like really, really. I mean, the first game that they show once Reggie comes out is Metroid Prime Two, uh, yeah. which is probably one of the most difficult and complex games on uh, ever released on GameCube, and uh, that was their marquee title. You know. This is pre-Wii Nintendo. This is back when they're like, we're as hardcore as it gets, and we're going to prove it to you. And that they felt threatened, like their their reputation. Among they had a marketing like, problem. Like if they actually, yeah. Harrison right. goes through all the stats, and they're like, we're outpacing the market. GBA sells more units than the fucking PS2. Everything is fine. We have shitloads of money. Why do y'all hate us? Like yeah. because they, they were becoming uncool. Problem. Do you understand? Yeah. So they're yeah. actually performing great. They're doing really, really, really well, especially in a new three-way market that they've never had to deal with before. Um, and GBA is doing so well that they have to kill it off and move on to the next thing as soon as possible. Um, and they're doing amazingly well, and no one's giving them any credit for it because they're immediately uncool. Microsoft yeah. has, and Sony, too, have made them incredibly uncool. And this press conference is Nintendo saying, no, that's not it. We are the coolest. And they re- like they oversell it. Like they try too hard, really, to show how awesome and cool and edgy and dark and mature and hip and teen and 20s and 30s that they are. But, geez, God bless them for trying. I mean, I yeah. wish that they had this much attitude now as they did. Yeah, often. I mean, it seems like it seems like now, like they, they made this push back in, you know, 2004, 2005, and they were already developing the Wii, which the Blue Ocean <laughs> strategy and was made for everyone as opposed to focusing on game experts as Reggie called it. And now at this point, they're really not competing for the most part with Microsoft and Sony. They're kind of like almost competing for another market, competing for another audience well, yeah, entirely. I, mean, yeah. I don't want to jump ahead, but I am going to, I guess, jump pretty far ahead into the press conference when Iwata shows up because he talks about how DS is going to change things and they need to shake things up. Uh, and then he yeah. mentions that, you know, graphics are kind of getting to a point of diminishing returns and our next console is not going to focus on horsepower. We are going to do something completely different yeah. and you can yeah. already Dude, see lie. them moving into it with the DS itself, but we'll get into more of that later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's, there's another quote from Reggie uh, in this, this early part where he's making all these jokes and stabs at Sony and Microsoft where he said, uh, he with the best games wins. Always been that way. Always will which I think is kind of tragic because if you look at the <laughs> Wii U right now, the Wii U has a lot of really good games and it ain't selling shit. Yeah. Well, hopefully Mario um, Kart will actually turn yeah. that around. But, you know, we yeah, just got I mean, that I mean, 1.2 I mean, million copies in a weekend, which is insane a, given the install impressive. base. That's yeah, really that's, good. That's, what, that's like a fifth of the entire user base. Yeah, but also, I mean, the user, be, the user base being what it is, you know, most of those people are going to buy yeah. a card at some point. So yeah, I, I wonder, I'm extremely curious to find out, but uh, see if it has but yeah, legs, but yeah. good on them. Yeah. Like, there's a, I just, I feel like there's a, there's an energy to Nintendo's presence at E3 in 2004. They feel threatened. Obviously, and this is a, you know, where the whole myth of, I like Nintendo when they're down and they have to get really desperate and yeah. creative. That's this where is where, this is where it comes from. You know, it was this year. This is what people are are remembering and sort of absorbing into their um, their mythology of of Nintendo as a corporate entity and the way they behave in different situations. And I would love. I mean, this got me so excited watching this. Uh, uh, you know, we're a week out from E three. We're literally a week to the day before Nintendo's digital event, where they're going to announce all the new stuff that's coming out this year. 
and I would be over the moon if it was as exciting as as uh, the presentation in 2004. Yeah. I mean, I, re- I remember, uh, at least as far as where I was at during this press conference, um, I was I was probably in school uh, when this when this happened. Um, but I do remember during like a computer class trying to get on the computer and circumvent whatever filters I could to <laughs> see what was announced. And I remember uh, I worked at the library next to my high school and showing my boss the Twilight Princess trailer being like, look at how cool this is. And she was like, get back to work. <laughs> um, like, I, I mean, it was it was it was really it was a palpable excitement that, you know, even carried to people who weren't in the, you know, in the convention center. I mean, it was there in that in that hall. You can hear it if you rewatch the video. The crowd is electric. They're freaking out over certain stuff. Yeah. Um, so then uh, the next part of the press conference has uh, George Harrison come out talking sales, and Johnny kind of touched on that by saying how, you know, they're trending up. Things aren't looking that bad. We yeah. swear. Well, yeah, yeah at this point, though, at this point, they're already adopting the, the marketing strategy of becoming a loss leader. They've dropped the price of the console to 100 bucks. Yeah. So their they're, they're plan is to move units into the hands of the non-hardcore base by selling at this value price and then hoping that those users, um, those new users, well, while they may enjoy some of the new software, they'll mostly be feeding off the back catalog, which has all been player's choice to down to like 20, 20 or 30 yeah. bucks or whatever. So they're kind of already reaching out to this casual market to kind of try and shore up their, their uh, revenues. Yeah. And some of the, some of the games that, uh, then Harrison showed around this time, um, was Donkey Kong jungle beat. I don't know if that was our first look at this or not. Um, but it was definitely probably the first yes. playable look at it. I remember hearing before, rumors we actually of didn't that. know what uh, it was. Yeah. All oh, okay. we knew was there was some crazy game from the new studio in Tokyo. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's all we knew. How and, funny that is. How this is, that's how we, and Tokyo they do started. Mario now. Yeah. <laughs> no, let, let me put it to you this way, Neil. Um, we had, the day before this Nintendo press conference, we had uh, scooped out the convention center. This is real inside baseball, uh, by the way. And all, back in the day when you could actually do that. Exactly, yeah. yeah you can't do that we anymore. We snuck up but... into Nintendo's, into Nintendo's uh, they have meeting space above the convention hall floor, and we had snuck up into Nintendo's meeting space to look out the windows over their booth. Yeah. Because you could see over all the curtains that they had drawn up around the booth to prevent people from seeing it. From up above, <laughs> so, yeah, you, you could just see went up it. above, you could see it all. Yeah, that's where we got a but picture of the Nintendo DS logo before Nintendo had actually <laughs> announced the name of the system. Um, although they did, they said it was not a final name uh, at the time. Yeah, yeah, that's planning to so it. weird to hear now. That, yeah, right. That the <laughs> it's DS a whole brand now. under a new name when it comes out later this year. Wild, but yeah, we imagine what that would have meant for 3ds and 2ds yeah. and all like I can't even comprehend like what that name could have been. This, I mean, unless they were going to go like you know Game Boy DS or something like that. And but we this thought, is back when you could scoop that kind of stuff. You know, you can't do that now. Everything's really super controlled now. Yeah. But oh, yeah, you know, yeah. we, we well, walked then, upstairs. We found an unlocked like, door. on walls. Well, I was just going to say, Neil, that we had seen in our spying, which was, I think, actually on the E3 schedule that year, is that the day before the press conference, we were going to try to go and spy on, <laughs> on the booth. Yeah, I think it was. I think we it had was. actually, like, scheduled out a time for that. But we went there, and we it was a treasure trove. We saw all kinds of crazy shit that we weren't supposed to. And uh, and I saw the uh, the logo for Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, and we had no idea what that was. I mean, this is Nintendo Tokyo. We didn't, they had, I think there'd been a press release that they had started um, an EAD Tokyo studio 
the year before, but we had absolutely no idea what they were doing. And we did not, we didn't know that it, that this was it when we saw the Donkey Kong logo. Yeah. But I just remember thinking, you know, we, at first everyone was like, that must be the new name for Donkey Konga. They're going to bring that over in America. And yeah. some people were like, no way, they're not going to bring over that thing with the drum controller. You know, and they did. It must both. be a new Donkey Kong game. <laughs> and, and I saw it and I thought there was something about the artwork. And I said, I don't think that's Donkey Konga. I think that might be a new game. And yet it has beat in the title. And that made me wonder, what if there's another Donkey Kong game that you play with the drums? You but, little detective. And I basically sussed out what this game is. Um, based on that logo and what and what very little we could see, and then the next day they actually showed it in the video, and I was basically right. Um, I was surprised to see that they were also bringing Donkey Konga because I, that was like the way more Japanese weirdo game <laughs> that I didn't really think they would bring over, um, but they did. And uh, so also um, Pikmin Two, Advance Wars Under Fire, which would later be known as Battalion Wars, that was a, the GameCube Advance Wars, and then uh, Paper Mario Two were some of the other games that were shown during this. Any, and anything that you guys remember about those games? I remember one that you didn't mention, but I'm pretty sure Odama was at E3 this year. I think Odama, yes, was, yes, Odama was. was there for a the couple years, years in various yeah. forms. Yeah, Odama, Odama was also there. Yes, this was Odama's the first year it so showed goddamn up. Weird. And this when, was the year uh, you could control it with the bongos, exactly. I think, right? It was there the was one year where the bong- was there were three fucking bongo games in Nintendo's booth that year. What a what a world! And then, but oh, that game I ended know. up being a microphone game in the end, which is even somehow yeah. weirder. I actually it was, um, actually it was always a microphone game. Yeah, it, right. it was a microphone, microphone and bongo game in two thousand four. Yeah, with Odama. Um, for anybody that knows of the Nintendo World Store in New York City, um, I think there was a time period from like two thousand six to two thousand nine, where there was just this one copy of Odama that was there. By itself, no one bought it. It was there for, I'm not joking, probably two or three years. Oh, I would have bought it. How much? But they were probably overcharging for it. Well, no, it was, it was, it was, I think it was at like 50 fucking bucks for the entire time it was there. But I just remember every time I go there, oh, the copy of Adama is still there. Yeah, they don't Um, really do sales at that store. Yeah. Yeah. They only, if if the price gets cut down, they'll, they'll drop it, but they don't really do sales. But it was just, then one day it disappeared. I don't know if someone bought it or if they're just like, let's just throw this out. Put it in the museum. Yeah. The weird thing is, I've been next in the to the Nintendo. Gulf War Game Boy. I've yeah. been in the uh, the Redmond, Washington uh, Nintendo headquarters employee store that was part yeah. of their uh, headquarters, and that was a trip. That was like really mind blowing at the time, uh, looking around at all that crazy merchandise and the and yeah, because that's most of the stuff that's in the World Store as well. Exactly. When I went uh, several years later, when I went to the Nintendo World Store in New York, I was like, "Oh, this looks like the employee yeah. store, except the prices are way higher." Yeah, yeah, because that's what I actually, because when I was out uh, for the photo dojo thing, I got to go to the Nintendo employee store, and I just looked around, I'm like, this is basically everything that's at Nintendo World Store, and I could actually, because right. I, won, I won a gift card uh, by, you know, beating Bill Trinan in photo dojo. <laughs> um, uh, I won a gift card uh, by doing that, and I could actually use it at either one, um, so I wound up saving it and then using it at the New York one. That's awesome. Um. But yeah, Paper Mario 2, was that playable on the show floor? You know, I, I think that it might have been. I want to say there was a boss battle in which you were fighting a giant dinosaur or a... That, that sounds like something that was in that does game. That ring a yeah, bell? We, had a hands, we had a hands-on preview that year, so yes, it was playable. Yeah, yeah. and I want to say that, that one of the scenes in the demo was you fighting a huge dinosaur. It might have been like a skeletal brontosaurus or something. 
And I don't even remember if that was in the final game. I played the final game in Japanese, so that one's really hazy. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think that's what the demo was, and it, that was exciting because you know Paper Mario was a pretty recent game. It came out in what two thousand one. I think it was yeah February two thousand one. Yeah, so to see that on the GameCube, a lot sharper, a lot more vibrant looking, that was really exciting. And then Pikmin two, um, yeah, that was also playable. What? What do you guys remember about that? I don't think I played it at all. (laughs) I remember uh, I played it a lot that year at E3. I remember at one point sitting on the floor uh, and looking up at the TV to play it because it was probably the last day and my legs were just (laughs) numb. And I was like, can I sit? Would you be offended if I sat down while I played this? And the guy's like, awesome. Yeah, let's do it. Um, And we're probably playing multiplayer, you know. Um, Yeah, Pikmin 2 was exciting. I thought it was surprising that they would make another one of those. Um, I think I've literally never played that game ever. It's it's really good, but I don't I do prefer the first one. I know there's a lot of debate over that, but it it was exciting yeah. to see them continue that. It felt like they were taking their new franchises seriously. You know, they yeah. showed the Advance Wars game for uh, GameCube that that turned into Battalion Wars when it came, finally came out like a long time later. Yeah, I think um, that was that was like late 05 when that yeah, came out. Yeah, they showed that. I mean, the earliest game they showed, though, was Zelda, Twilight Princess. That game didn't come out for another two and a half years. Yeah. And it really looks, had to show us something. Yeah, but if you look if you look at that video again, it looks a lot like Twilight looked, Princess. Yeah. I mean, it really yeah. doesn't look that different. Um, and I know that's a big game, but a lot of it had to do with, you know, the Wii holding the Wii. it over for the Wii version. A lot of people think that game was probably finished earlier but they gave themselves time to make the Wii version, then release both at the same time. Um, yeah. But uh, man, that was an interminable wait for that game because they yeah. showed it so, so early and then it got delayed over and over and over. It was really brutal. But in 2004, I mean, you can't even really hear it over the music and in, in, in the video that I watched <laughs> on YouTube, but people were fucking screaming yeah. during that yeah. trailer. I it think actually the deafening. version that I wound up watching had, you could hear the, like you couldn't hear the music because it was so people loud. screaming. Right. It's yeah, like, like you it's know, like when deafening. Oprah gives away free stuff on her yeah. TV show. But oh, it really was. It wasn't nerds. just like it wasn't like a hoot. You can hear that at other points. You know, when they announce Wi-Fi for DS, I didn't. This is how. This is what a big deal this was. I didn't even know what Wi-Fi was in 2004. <laughs> I had to. I, I was like, is, I does that the... mean internet? I was like asking around. Did he really say that? And then even after that, we kind of thought maybe it was a mistake. We thought maybe Nintendo <laughs> didn't understand what Wi-Fi meant. Yeah, we really and did. That, we were like, there's no way it really supports Wi-Fi. This we fucking so brand new technology is going to change the internet. <laughs> because no one – I mean the DS is so crazy because in 2004, no one owned a touchscreen. Not a yeah. single one in their entire home or family. No one had a touchscreen. No one had Wi-Fi. We, I mean that's why Nintendo had to sell the damn USB dongle because people didn't own routers back then. You know, so like it was like the only way you could even use Wi-Fi was to go to a Starbucks or something um, because this just wasn't something that people had in their homes. I mean, all this stuff seems so futuristic, like there's a microphone and with voice recognition software, you can command your game with your voice. We might laugh at that now as a connect thing that Microsoft sells for $150, but this built into your handheld, it just seemed impossible. It's so yeah. forward thinking when you look at how we play games today. Like, do half of the iOS games we even play exist without the DS laying the touch foreground? Exactly. For everything, it's crazy. This stuff was mind blowing. And it was. Yeah, I, 
I feel like it's very exemplary in uh in Johnny's impressions of Metro Prime Hunters. With people winning- freak out when you see the first <laughs> video of of oh, yeah. the, the, the DS, they're like, here's Super Mario 64 running out, and we're all kind of like, well, yeah. this is just some kind of bullshit tech demo. It looks pretty good. Like, then, there's no way this is real gameplay, and then they smash cut to live gameplay of Metroid Prime Hunters, and you're just like, <laughs> holy shit, this thing is, like, the PSP was looking like a pretty powerful competitor to the Game Boy until about right now, when it looks like a pile <laughs> of shit compared to the DS. <laughs> it's crazy. Too bad that game ended up being a pile of trash. No, no, it's not. What, it's about a 7.5. 64 DS? No, no. Well, 64 <laughs> DS is about a 7.5. No, Hunters. 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 Hunters, Hunters yeah. is no, that. I'm, Hunters I'm, is a good game. Hunter, Hunters, that demo that came with the DS was fantastic. I played the <laughs> shit out of that and then didn't really enjoy the full game. Uh, yeah. But but Johnny's Johnny's uh, got some choice quotes here. His, his, uh, his abstract here is, ooh, she shoots where you tap the screen. <laughs> Um, and here's uh the controls are truly weird, and there's a significant learning curve. But once you get the hang of it, the game is really fun and surprisingly robust. You can double tap the D-pad to jump in that direction. You turn by dragging a stylus across the screen. Oh, is uh, that how you a, use a touch screen? Dragging a stylus across the screen is in it is in italics. Yeah. In case you didn't know it was important. Yeah. Like that's, that's such and, a revolutionary yeah, idea. And yes. Like, can it you feels believe really this? strange? <laughs> Well, this is when they were pushing, like, they had the little the strap that had the little thumb pad that you kind of strapped on your thumb, and you could yeah. kind of use, they, they said, oh, you should use this special flat stylus on your thumb when you want to use it like an analog stick. Yeah. No game ever really fucking did that. Yeah, Mario 64 DS, like, I remember trying that once and being like, well, that was kind of dumb. This is easier fun. with a stylus. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Metro Prime Hunters, the aiming is manual at all times. Simply <laughs> tap the screen where you want to shoot, and that's where Sam as well shoot. It's like it's it's funny with this because looking back on it now, this like it kind of seems ridiculous. But at the time, oh, it like, was it, the... no, it was ridiculous. I mean, that's why they changed <laughs> it in the final game to where you shot with a shoulder button because uh, tapping on the screen to shoot meant that your aim was just a complete mess. Also like, meant that you're beating the shit out of the screen like constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was one of the more disconcerting things about the playing the DS demos that year is at, the device's potential seemed unlimited, but the demos that they had were a lot of hot mess basically and a lot of them just had you pounding on the touchscreen. And all yeah. of us are thinking, "Wait, is this isn't really fun. I mean, this isn't a good idea <laughs> to build your game around the concept of you just mashing with a stick on a piece of plastic, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and Metroid had more subtlety than that. And I thought it was the most impressive thing I played on uh, DS that year. I liked but, the WarioWare demo. I remember yeah. playing the WarioWare demo a lot. And I thought WarioWare yeah. is the perfect concept for this kind of system. You can do so much crazy shit. And that WarioWare game did do a lot of crazy shit. There were like voice levels and touch levels. And there's basically every tech demo they could possibly dream up for the 3DS. They just, or for, for, sorry, for the DS, they just crammed it as a mini game yeah. into WarioWare. Yeah, because some of the other demos that were there, we had a Super Mario 64 DS, which was the, it was only a multiplayer demo. Yeah, um, and it yeah. was called 64 or Super Mario 64 by four. <laughs> yeah. We um, weren't even sure that they were going to do a full port of the single player game. Yeah. Uh, there was a warrior wear demo. There was Picto chat. Oh, um, Picto chat. Yeah. Which that, that's, that's when uh, the Wi-Fi compatibility got mentioned and it kind of seemed even looking back on it now, it kind of seems like Picto chat would be over Wi-Fi. 
the way it's kind of like shown in the it press was in clubhouse but... games if you bought that yeah yeah um <laughs> no but mm-hmm. picto chat it's i mean we had no freaking clue what he was talking about when it's it's funny to go back and hear reggie describe exactly what picto chat is and exactly why it's amazing <laughs> But we had no, we didn't understand the language back then, you know, of like drawing things and sending them wirelessly to other yeah, people. Yeah, drawing a dick. It seemed like magic. Yeah, your friend. Drawing a dick. Right. Um, so <laughs> cut to a year later in 2005 after the DS has actually come out and PictoChat is all we do for four days at E3. <laughs> like it, you can't put it down. It's so hilarious. Um, I really I miss PictoChat so oh, much. Oh yeah, I mean it doesn't. It wouldn't exist. It doesn't it work basically today. doesn't work outside of a situation like E3. Yeah. Where you have you know twelve to twenty people hanging out and they all have DSs, um, and they're and PictoChat is just amazing. there was so much but, interference at E3 2005 that you could barely get into a, tic- a PictoChat. I almost said Dicto Chat. Um, well, that's what it's called. Chat, chat room. They would just you would try to connect and be like, "Oh no, this I'm I know we said it had three spaces left in it, but actually that right, filled up like immediately." Okay, I know what you're talking about, that, but that's because you were at the press conference. E3. Yeah, it was madness. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, that's what you get for even trying at the press conference because yeah. there there's not a greater concentration of Nintendo nerddom. Uh, in the world and, yeah. and any time in history than, you know, 2005, 2006. Nintendo but, you know, conference. it's a precursor to, to the Street Pass. Pass. Like, he even mentioned, oh, if your DS is asleep and it walks by another DS, it'll send you some kind of message to see if you want to play a game with that person. I don't think that feature ever really came true. Nope. Maybe a, yeah. light, maybe a light blinked or some shit. I don't remember. I but, don't uh, believe so. No. I don't think I don't it think did. So but that feature did eventually become Street Pass, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's like awesome. most Nintendo things where it kind of starts off and then evolves like how you know me's basically came out of what was that stage debut and even i mean they've had a lot of games kind of come out of stuff like that like tomodachi life is something that i mean they're they're launching an entire new business in lifestyle because of what in the precursor to that is the the vitality sensor that never came out oh geez oh god (laughs) but uh you know i want to say that the reason uh that ds like wake up feature didn't ever make it in the system is because there was some kind of minor controversy over people who thought it could be used as like a like a pedophile radar. Oh, I bet. Oh, yeah. Because only kids locate, play video it's like games. You can echolocate children at playgrounds. Um, and so Street Pass, if you think about it, the key difference there is that it doesn't tell you when you've passed someone. You just find out later. Yeah. That asynchronicity is uh, part of what protects you from other people in Street Pass because you don't really know who it was until you know, way later. And plus their me doesn't really look very much like them anyway. Yeah. So you can't really use that to, uh, to like echo locator for pedophiles. Oh my God. (laughs) This is man. This stuff was really controversial back then, Mike. I mean, the internet was becoming extremely popular and totally out of hand all of a sudden. And, uh, this is a lot of why people thought Nintendo would never do the internet. That's why people flipped out when he mentioned Wi-Fi on the DS. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and of course the last remember flipping out. that is like maybe they don't know what Wi-Fi is. Yeah, yeah. this isn't online. <laughs> this is no line. <laughs> no, no, Jeez. it's it's beyond online. Okay, okay, beyond, even better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so much of Reggie's delivery at this press conference is difficult to watch now, especially if you watch one of the uh, professional cameras that were there by the news crews uh, or the video websites. And they're way zoomed in on him, you know, and you can really <laughs> see his eyes shifting around to the teleprompters yeah. and his kind of occasionally awkward body movements or stances, you know, or the yeah. way he sort of holds the DS out at a kind of a funny angle 
and then holds it that way for like five minutes while he talks about it. It's really distracting. Yeah, it's really like he's got it like hooked in his hand. It looks weird. I have to say, like from the crowd, I was in the crowd, probably relatively close to the front that year, but not not like in the front row, but with enough distance in this gigantic room that they uh, were doing the press conference that I didn't really see most of that stuff. For me, we were glued to the video screens. We were listening to Reggie, but we weren't looking at him unless he was like pulling a system out of his pocket, which happens at least twice in this press conference. Yep. Same system so, too. It's so yeah. weird. Yeah, and Alada yeah. does it like the same way, and then has like the same five minutes later break. too. Yeah, it's he, weird. He, really Alada's trying to cheap on. Like he's everyone. Everyone was happy when Reggie did this. Yeah. I gotta do it now. He doesn't get quite the same reaction, but no. um, there's there's something like this was Nintendo on the big 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 stage for maybe the first time, and there was a lot of expectation on them this year because of the new competition and because. They weren't selling as many GameCubes as they had in 64s. And people yeah. were really concerned about that because they hadn't sold as many in 64s as they had Super Nintendos. And they weren't selling as many. Well, GBA was doing well, but it was starting to slow down. Um, and, you know, Sony was getting into the handheld market for the first time in a lot yeah, of Yeah, that was, thought, I mean, well, there was like a. This is the end for Nintendo. I mean, yeah, you they know, can't... they've had the handheld stronghold for so long, but now Sony's coming in. They, yeah. they pretty much weathered the storm of the PSP, though. They, I mean, they were like, "Oh, here's the DS." They just like dropped their dick on the table, and just, Sony <laughs> had to go start from scratch again, basically. Yep, and it, it was you know one of the first times where they really you can tell they're hedging the message so much when they announced the DS. It's got this amazing technology that you can't even wrap your head around that you've yeah. never used before in video games, and it's not doesn't have to be as powerful as that other system to have better games. And yeah. it's interesting to see to hear them kind of balance that message in a very specific way. It's like we're not trying to have the best technical specs. We don't have the best technical specs, but we're going to do way crazier stuff. The developers are gonzo for it and it's going to be a lot more affordable. And it was. DS launched yeah. all those things. DS was amazing. It launched well, $150. I mean, that is so cheap. Yeah. It's hard to believe when you go back and think about and this, this what is you what pay now a, for a Vita, you know, $300 Vita or a $500 iPad. $150 DS. It was cutting edge technology. A 3DS three years after launch is, I guess, not even, well, like the 2DS I think is 130 They kind of phased out the original one, but I think that was hovering around 150 Mm-hmm. They still do the original one, but they usually bundle it with a game now. And then the XL is like no. Actually, I've right? heard some stuff that the original model of the 3DS is, is kind of being phased out completely. Interesting. The amazing thing is, if you look at a 3DS, especially, well, either one, either the original or the uh, XL, like from 10 feet away, you almost can't even tell the difference between that and what Reggie pulls out of his pocket in 2004. Yeah. yeah. Like 10 years, and that system really. Like on a grand, a lot of little details have changed, but on a grand scale, the form factor and what that system it's a represents good form and what it does really hasn't changed. <coughs> if anything, and the most drastic, distant, the piece, the piece of hardware that's the most distant from the one he pulls out of his pocket is actually the the first DS with the weird angled edges, because the prototype he pulls out is very sleek and very rounded, and we all ended up thinking it wasn't good looking at the time. Um, but it looks closer to a, what an XL looks like today than what the DS Fat looks like. Yeah, right. kind of. And uh, the weird thing was that how how Reggie kind of called this the developer system yeah. as well, saying that's what the DS stood for. That's a marketing thing, though, to yeah. to appeal to the developers. Yeah, and then they they had a bunch of developers that, I mean, going over this list, most of those people 
don't really develop games on Nintendo systems anymore. I mean, because you had... Well, Vivendi <laughs> well, doesn't exist anymore. I noticed a lot um, of the people in the videos, though, a lot of the people, all the quote-unquote developers in the videos were actually, like, VPs and heads of studios. They yeah. weren't the actual people developing the games. Yep, it right. was the marketing people who were just playing up their relationship with Nintendo and saying nice things because you're playing nice with your partners. Yeah. They I mean, had very a lot, few a lot actual of those developers. Videos. A lot of those videos, for the most part, at least in, in this era, were, were like that, though, and even yeah. extending to, like, my first couple E3s, like, when they had the 3DS stuff. But, like, I mean, some of the companies that were here, you got Activision, Namco, Vivendi, Square Enix, Majesco, Atari, Konami, wow. THQ, Sega, the Pokemon Company was a part of this uh, This developer's, developers talking about it. Basically EA, Nintendo. Yeah, EA, Capcom, and Ubisoft. Yeah, what, at least half of those aren't around anymore, right? Yeah. Majesco is in there, too. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty crazy. I mean, they, yeah. they really were touting the third-party stuff. And at the time, in 2004, I would say, third-party support for GameCube was still pretty good. 2005, yeah. not so much. Yeah, 2005 was when the GameCube it. just dropped off a cliff. It did, yeah. Which was That was the really scary thing, because 2004, it seemed like it might have five years ahead of it. I mean, Nintendo announced... So many games for GameCube this E3. You, when you go back and watch the, the press conference video, you have to realize that almost all of those were being shown for the first time ever. Yeah. They're completely brand new games. We Like a dozen GameCube games, almost all of them first party or second party. And we didn't, I mean, some of them we'd never even heard of before. We had no idea what, what is Odama? What is Donkey Kong Jungle Beat? Um, what about some of Biden were, Kaitos? We played yeah, Geist exactly. a couple years Geist, in a row, Biden though. Kytos, <laughs> and then yeah. we had all these sequels to things that like, we didn't know we would ever get sequels to, like Metroid Prime. Pikmin 2. Yeah, I couldn't believe that they were making another one of those. And uh, it, like, I, if Nintendo came out and announced 12 new Wii U titles this year that no one had ever heard of, they would win I'd the next myself. three E3s all <laughs> No one announces that many like, games in anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like, I mean, no one, it's, it's no one can of, do it, that anymore. Back then, you could develop games with such smaller teams, and Nintendo was still a humongous company. I think they were the largest game developer in the world back then, um, and uh, and so they could just make an incredible number of games simultaneously. And unfortunately, they that's not realistic anymore. Which is the way yeah. things are. I would yeah, love I mean, if uh, they uh, you know like divided a, a bunch of their people up into like little tiny indie studios, and they just released. You know, twenty games a year, just from that all, would be you know, just with much smaller teams. That'd be exciting yeah. to me. But. That would be super exciting. I guess just kind of wrapping up the the DS tech demos that were there. Um, you did have a what well, I think it was called the Balloon Trip tech demo, which basically turned into Yoshi Touch and Go. Oh yeah. And the other the other kind of notable one was Steel Diver. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember Steel Diver? I, I sure don't. do. I remember thinking it sucked. <laughs> Because <laughs> how did how did how was that different from what kind of became of that? It was almost identical. Oh wow! Yeah, that was the. <laughs> don't you remember Neil when they brought back Steel Diver on 3DS at at E3 and yet again it seemed like kind of a tech demo and not even a real game. And we're <laughs> and all playing this thing. This is kind of the same as it was like eight <laughs> years ago. <laughs> like, did they even change it? You know, they put it in 3D, but that's about it. It feels exactly the same. It was really, really creepy playing that 3DS demo because I, it was like, man, the deja, vu. deja vu. The yeah, deja vu. The deja vu that you never expected would happen. Right. I'm glad they've salvaged uh, Steel Diver into something interesting with uh, Sub Wars. 
Yeah. Sun Wars is pretty cool. There was actually a recent update that added a, uh, the Blue Marine, the Blue Marine from, from Star Fox yeah. 64. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of, I'm actually going to play more of that game now. I might boot it up for the first time. Yeah. I played the two single player missions and played one online match and then never touched it again, but I might go back to it now. And it all started in 2004. Yep. With Steel Diver. Freaking Steel Diver. So, uh, Iwata came out and then talked about the revolution. Yes, and, he did. Yeah, and talked about how that was going to kind of change things and they were going to go in a bold new direction. So He is he... just speaking straight truth and we're all just like, what the fuck yeah. is he even talking about? And, and everything's <laughs> just like, yeah, yeah, they knew what they were doing. He did literally exactly what he said he would do in this press conference. He did every single thing precisely as he said he would. It's amazing to see him just lay it all out and then we're all like, what's the big mystery Nintendo's got? And he just told us all right up there. <laughs> <laughs> it's really the opposite of like uh, like Microsoft last year at E3, you know, when they lay all this stuff out there and then immediately reverse every single decision that they had announced. Yeah, because people you, you see like the cohesion of vision at Nintendo in 2004. Iwata, I think, had been on the job for one year, and yeah, I think the early 2003 yeah. was when he became president. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, no, it, it was announced like the day before E3 in 2003. Okay. Um, oh yeah, because E3 was back in in May. Yeah, yeah, in May, and then and then he showed up the next day, and we're like, oh my god, the president of Nintendo is here. He did, <laughs> and, 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 and I don't mean in E3. I mean ever. Yeah, I don't mean at E3. I mean he's in America for the first yeah. time in history. It was mind boggling, you know. Um, but uh, but by that time, you know, Wawada had been in the job for a year and was seemed like he was exerting an incredible influence. You know, like putting someone like Reggie in a high up position uh, at Nintendo and having him talk the way he was and like really aggressively going after the haters, the doubters, courting the loyal fans and calling bullshit on all the sales uh, doom and gloom that people were putting over them and being I felt really aggressive, not only in tone, not not just in like a totally radical, uh, you know, cheesy kind of a way. But like, I feel like the, the decisions they're making at this time, the things they're announcing, the way that they're going at their business is incredibly aggressive at, at E3 2004. And a lot of it, a lot of it did work out for them. I'll say GameCube, not so much. I think they, they had their heart in the right place with GameCube. And there's probably a book to be written about what went wrong there in the next year or two. Um, but maybe you could also argue that these guys came in so late in the game for GameCube that it was already too late for them to turn the ship around. And, uh, and it was going to do what it was going to do um, after, the, after three years on the market. But they were setting out for DS and Wii, uh, or the revolution. And, uh, you know, there, it, it really was like a, an incredible new era in Nintendo. And we were, Mike, I, I'm sure you'll be with me, like we all were psyched. We yeah. were like so excited. Especially about... after 2003 when we were just like, uh, this is kind of a mediocre E3 showing. And then a year later, it's just like, boom, they're like, they're back. They're all yeah. strong and like they're really confident looking in the presser. And they've got all these cool new games. And then they do all this cool stuff. They've got like Wi Fi. They've got this new handheld that ensures their complete dominance of the handheld market for the foreseeable future. And then at the very end, they're like, fucking Zelda, you guys. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, everyone the, just explodes. I, I am not Link, but I do know him. Yeah, and then Miyamoto <laughs> comes out and he waves the sword, and we're all just like, "Yeah!" And like the timing's off on the. 
Like yeah. Kind of the sound, yeah. You can the tell it's a guy faces. who's hitting a button, so he's a little late. Yeah. <laughs> you can actually – this just shows how amazing Miyamoto is on stage. They try it the first time and it doesn't work. And then Miyamoto like looks directly in the camera, gets the guy's <laughs> attention, like gives him a little a physical cue that says, we're going to do that again, okay? And he's smiling the whole time. And then he does it again and it's perfect the second time. And then he walks off stage. That was yep. all unscripted. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I just remember watching that trailer over and over again and, and basically watching that, that press conference, that bit of it over and over again with the ridiculous Miyamoto coming out to <clears throat> just, I mean, really, really. He doesn't even do anything. He's just like, yeah. hey, I'm Miyamoto. Here's the fan yeah, service. He, he like, literally just says, I am not Link, but I do know him and like walks off stage. No, there's a little more to it than that, but uh, he says like, but well, his English was not anywhere near good at the time, so yeah, and he didn't have Bill there to translate, so he's just you know they just put him out there, say two things, give the fanboys what they want, and then get get off stage. Don't worry, you don't have to do anything else. Well, Bill was Bill was actually pretty new to the company at the. This was the first year I met Bill, and it was probably that no Bill at the the Nintendo corporate uh, party. I hadn't even been at the treehouse for a while. Bill Bill was there for at least I think he was he was at. The reveal of Pikmin translating for Miyamoto. I yeah. remember he must have been kind of moving into E3 a new role at this time, stuff. though. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So I had not really met him before this year, and uh, it was that year um, we were at the. Uh, gosh, I don't remember the name of this place. Back when they had parties, it, it actually might have been the House of Blues still, because they did it like three years in a row at the at the Hollywood House of Blues, and we went the, to the party, and there, there were three or four of us in our group. And uh, the Black Eyed Peas were playing, and I thought they were <laughs> horrible. I thought they were the worst band I'd ever seen. Um, and that's that's the only time I've ever seen them perform. I thought they were friggin' incredibly bad. Um, and so I was like, I got to get away from Like, the music was so bad, I didn't want to be at the party anymore. And I was talking with – I don't I don't remember who it was. Um, and I was probably there with Billy and a few other people I knew. And um, – and we were just kind of hanging out and one of them's like, hey, there's a room upstairs we can go to that's a lot quieter. And we went up there. It was like right above the entrance. We went, I, at first I thought we were leaving the party, but there was like a little stairway nearby. And we went up the stairs into this like private area where they had all their E3 demos set up the day before the show opened. So I spent the next <laughs> three hours standing in this room saying – Fuck the party and the band downstairs. I'm hanging out up here. And I was in this <laughs> demo room at the party for the rest of the night. And I played every single game. And as soon as I got home that night, um, I went back to the hotel. And everybody got together. And we had like a three-hour long Q&A with everybody about all the games that I had played. It was exhausting. Yeah, I, remember, I remember that. I was awake for that. I didn't get to go to the party because I was not of age at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also we only got like what a couple tickets and obviously yeah they were very go. very hard to get into like a real pain in the ass to yeah get, you know, it's okay Neil sent me to Disneyland so all <laughs> yeah <is given. laughs> we're even now <laughs> but I remember that was the year it was up in that demo room above the party where I really got to meet Bill for the first time so I've known him for ten years and uh, and we got to talking we were having drinks and he was like basically giving me a live demo of Donkey Kong Jungle Beat and some of the other games too, but that was his favorite. He's like, this is my favorite game at E3 this year. I was like, well, I want to play that. He's like, it's being made by these new uh, guys in Tokyo. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember hearing about that studio. So he walked me through the whole thing and, uh, and showed me how to, you know, uh, uh, punch the boss at the end of the level and everything. And, uh, and, and I thought it was amazing. I thought it was so, so cool. And, um, 
and yeah, so after that, I went back and, and briefed everyone on all the games, and we and that was actually really helpful for the next day to uh, organize all the impressions that we wanted to write and like figure out what people yeah. should do what and how many people yeah. should we get on these various uh, different demos. And it, it was useful because back, the back then we used to care about 18 or 20 people deep at E3. So it was a big job just trying to get everybody organized. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the tough thing. I mean... <laughs> I mean, it's probably similar then, although I guess the press conference was the day before, so you kind of had a little more knowledge about what might be there. Right. We would spend um, the entire evening, like, trying to map it all out yeah. because we at least we knew what games they were going to have there, but you didn't get to play them until the next day. So, like, trying to sleep that night was painful. Yeah. We'd get, like we'd get a B-roll DVD from the press people on the way out of the press conference. And, and just watch that over and over again? <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah. We would, we we would take it back to the, the hotel. shit out of the B-rolls. Yeah, we would we would hook it up and we would just like go through it slow motion. Like, oh, rewind. We got to watch that again. We're all like, like a Mario Kart eight, Mario Kart TV. And, yep, we were all like commenting on it and furiously taking notes, and we're writing previews all day long. And it was just this like, just this hours and hours and hours and hours of like writing coverage and getting hyped up to play the games the next day, and everybody's freaking out. And uh, it was just an amazing like whirlwind. Um, it was, uh, you know, really a very magical time to be on our website staff in that, that big, big group and, uh, going to E3 and playing this stuff. It was so exciting. I mean, that's kind of, I guess to kind of bring it, bring it home to, uh, where we are at, uh, just less than a week away from E3 2014. That's the feeling that I want to feel like Tuesday. Um, yeah. I'd Tuesday, love that. June 10th. Yeah. Like I really, I, that's, that's what I kind of hope for because honestly, like the past two years, while they've been fun, there there have been good demos, but not not as exciting as as some of the the past E threes that even I've been to, and and the ones from you know ten years ago. Oh, uh, what if we get a new Metroid game? Oh, how happy will I be? What Keep if they dreaming. actually make a big deal out of it and like make it sound like they're excited for it? Yeah, yeah they let Metroid's what was it twenty fifth anniversary? It's same year as Zelda. They just let it slip the fuck by. Yeah. I mean, who who knows what the future will hold with E3 2014? But I guess any any final thoughts on 2004 before we kind of put the put put the yeah put it to bed until I guess maybe 2024 when we can talk about the E3 that happened 20 years ago. <laughs> I I would really strongly recommend that people go to YouTube and watch the uh, the press conference. Um, there's a lot of years that I would not recommend that for, but like 2003, is a, just yeah, yeah, 2004 is a good just, one probably the best press conference they've ever done. And it is truly, truly exciting. And and I got to say, there is something more exciting about watching these people up on stage do it than, than in a video. I don't know yeah. exactly what it is. I mean, part of it for me is it's also my nostalgia for being in that room. And there is like an electricity in the air with these thousands of people gathered to see what mysteries Nintendo is about to unveil. I mean, I don't know that, you know, I've ever been more excited in my life as like when I'm about to go skydiving and when I'm about to get to see the <laughs> Nintendo press conference in person. Yeah. Because I mean, that's it's the, just, you can taste it in the air. Everybody's freaking out because the, the anticipation is so tense and you're so, so, so close to, uh, to, to getting to, to see and play all of this stuff. It's the weird thing because going to E3 this year, this is the first year that I've ever gone that we're not going to any press conferences. There's no reason they don't do them anymore. Any well, I mean, Nintendo doesn't, but I mean, <coughs> Microsoft and Sony, I guess if we really wanted to, we could we could probably get passes for those and see them. We've never really um, bothered. I mean, 
Yeah. Honestly, I, would, I, I, went, I, I went don't to have Microsoft enough emotionally invested year. in those to want to be there in yeah. person. I'm happy to watch it. Uh, with a you know with a box of pizza and, and yeah sodas yeah and sitting yeah, on yeah I mean that's that's what we'll it. do is we'll we'll probably hole up in the hotel <laughs> or maybe in the the E3 press lounge and yeah. just watch the press conferences that way and that's fine and with with EA and Ubisoft um, once again we could probably get get uh, invited to those or, or get into them but there's not really much point for us to go it's almost like it's worth just watching them online and and hanging out in LA nearby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's still, I mean, there's something about being at a video game press <coughs> conference that is that is pretty cool, and the Nintendo one's especially cool. And I miss that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But we're going to have a good time this year, guys. And, yep, uh, yep. Have fun without me. I'll be on no. the home team. Well, well, the home team can still be pretty exciting, I think. Yeah. Home team, I mean, you know, we all watch the same internet streaming video yeah. now, so <laughs> the say, playing field is even. The, the only difference is that we, we go on the show floor. You guys, like, <laughs> the press conference experience is almost identical. Probably better for you guys, actually. Yeah, better bandwidth, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. That's not why we go. We don't go to watch yep. a video. We go to play the game, yep. so. Yep, yep. We have to focus on that, but uh, I, I mean, <clears throat> I always get excited for E three about one week out, which is what which is where we're we're at now. Um, but uh, watching this this video really crystallized my anxiety about E three this year and my, <laughs> and my and my, and my uh, enthusiasm for it, and uh, it it really like it makes me feel younger. Like it, you know, especially watching this video from 10 years ago makes me feel 10 years younger. It makes me so excited for Nintendo and to see what they're going to do. And the, you know, it's unlikely that they're going to reach the heights of, of 2004, but it's possible. I mean, there's always that potential and because we don't know, that's why I keep going back. Like if I knew it was going to be crap, I wouldn't go. But uh, I guess that shows just how much of an optimist I am. I keep going back every damn year even though I get burned a lot of times by Nintendo's press conference, especially, or by their, you know, their big round of announcements. But I'm always, there's just that, that pregnant anticipation that maybe something amazing is going to happen because I know that it can. I know that it has in the past. It could. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. All right, Johnny, let's go to LA right now. Let's do it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, See you next week. Bye. Happy E3. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye.
Hey, on today's segment of connectivity, the two Zacks are uniting together mm. to talk about game collecting. Yes. It's me, Zach Kaplan, and industry luminary, Zachary Miller. Uh, yeah. Get it, get it. Yeah, that's what industry luminaries always say. Yep. Yep. So, we're talking about game collecting and probably some other collecting stuff because Zach has some secrets. Well, they're not really secret, but... Yeah. So, Zach, starting off with you, even though there's only two people, so I guess that makes sense. Uh, what game stuff do you collect? Well, I used to collect a lot. Um, I used to collect physical copies of games um, for Super Nintendo, uh, N64, and uh, GameCube for a while. Um uh, I I usually buy them secondhand at, at you know GameStop or Bosco as the comic shop because I'd get them cheaper, obviously. Uh, yeah. But for whatever reason, I just kind of wanted to have copies of games in case I wanted to play them someday, right? Yeah, uh, I'm the same way. I've been buying games for a while. I've I've been kind of against buying a game digitally if I can get it in a box. Yeah, I I was that way for a very long time. I mean, my opinion's starting to change because I'm, like, realizing that there's no point to the box anymore. It's literally just a disc that, at least on, like, PS4 games, it installs right onto the system, and it's just a key to unlock the game. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's a key to unlock the game because it still needs the disc, but, like, Killzone is a 50-gig install from the disc. Oh, good lord. So, I mean... And it's the same size as if you didn't get the disc. Mm. Yeah, so. I didn't know that. Yeah. Unless I'm completely messing it up. But I'm pretty sure that's the case. Huh. That's cool. Uh, speaking of the PS4, well, I'm just going to go on a tangent. Do it. If I can. Uh, collector's editions. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are they're cool. But they're really stupid. Yup, that's basically mine, and yet I used to get them all the time. In fact, my most recent collector's edition uh, was the Dead or Alive 5 collector's edition, which I've written about uh, for the site. It was kind of worthless, uh, although it did come with some, you know, bikinis that were timed exclusives. Oh. Uh, I think my favorite collector's edition was the Dead Space 2 one, which came with a miniature plasma cutter. That's that's which lit cool. up like a flashlight. It's kind of cool. Was this Dead Space two or three? Two. All right, good. Yeah, screw three. <laughs> three, it'd just be a microtransaction. Yeah, it would probably was. Uh actually, I think the only collector's edition I own is the Old Republic, which I bought like a year later for fifty bucks because it was originally two hundred dollars. It's just damn. Like, yeah, it comes with a Darth Malgus statue, the game soundtrack, a book, and a nice box. Nice. And the game, some in-game items. You know, there's um quite a few collector's editions that come with, like, statues or figures of the characters from the game. Like, there was one with uh, Laura Croft for the new Tomb Raider. And there was uh, one I with think... Nathan Drake for Uncharted 3. But they, they actually never, when you look at them, they never even look that good. Yeah, no, um, the Darth Malgus was made by Gentle Giant, which does, like, a bunch of other Star Wars 
statues. Yeah, they, they did uh, some Hellboy figures for Hellboy DVDs back in the day. Yeah. So it's it's decent quality. It's good in my opinion. I at least I think it looks nice. One but, of the one of our listeners or one of our readers, I now I'm forgetting who, um, sent me the the little statue. It's not little, I guess. The statue that came with Injustice of Wonder Woman smashing Batman over the head with like Superman's baby ship. <laughs> and it looks <laughs> it looks really cool from a distance, but when you like get up close, it looks really kind of bad. Like Wonder yeah. Woman looks like a man, and she looks like a man in the game, but you know, for the statue, make her look like a woman. Yeah. Um. So, collector's editions. I've seen some really dumb ones recently. Um, Splinter Cell Blacklist. Of course, they didn't come to the Wii U because the collector's editions, which I wrote a whole thing about it on my own little blog one time, and. Well, Splinter Cell Blacklist, you got an actual drone. Ah! Well, it was kind what? of like a drone. Well, <laughs> at least I thought it was a drone. It's like an, a radio-controlled helicopter, and it looks like a drone. Oh, like the one they sell in malls. Well, it's not a helicopter, though. It's like... I don't know how to explain it. But yeah, it flies around, and you have it's radio-controlled. Yeah, and I think there's a camera attached to it. Oh, wow. I'm pretty sure. That's kind of hardcore. Yeah. It was like $200. It's like when they and, when they came out with um, one of the Call of Duty games, maybe it was um, the Vietnam one, where it came with uh, night vision goggles. And I've heard they're actually kind of functional. And wasn't there a Halo game that came with a uh, Master Chief helmet but yeah. it would only fit on like a cat? Yep, so. cat helmet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've actually so always wanted that, just to have it. Do you have a cat? I do have a cat. Would, I mean, would you put it on your cat? I probably or? would put it on the cat. Yeah. I'd be worried the cat would suffocate. The cat would probably try to kill me. Yeah. So there's a lot. I mean, collector's editions are like the newest thing in game collecting. Well, they're not really new, but... But they're, they become, they're getting ridiculous. Yeah, they're much more prominent. Every big game and its mother and its dog and its dog's walker. Like Watch Dogs has like a total of 15 different collector's editions (laughs) through North America and Europe, right? And some of them don't even have the game? uh, It's five. It's just five. Yeah, that's still a lot. Jim Sterling, uh, he did a thing, his videos, he was talking about how if you wanted to get every part of the in-game stuff, like, you would have to buy multiple editions. There's no way to just buy one version yep. and get all the in-game items. You have to you have to pre-order it from certain places, too. See, that kind like of crap you, bugs me, because all that DLC is going to be timed, and it's eventually just going to come out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and all it does, back to collecting... Uh, my physical copy of Assassin's Creed 4 on PS4 has a Target Edition written on it. <laughs> and my copy of Splinter Cell Blacklist has Wii U... Uh, Splinter Cell Blacklist... Splinter Cell... Splinter Cell Blacklist on the Wii U <laughs> has GameStop Edition written on it. What What's special about them? Anything? Uh, I bought... It, it came from GameStop. Now, I and have they, the... 
I have the they Best Buy people. edition of Let's Tap, and it came with like a Kleenex box <laughs> that you could obviously <laughs> put your controller on, tap along. That was that was seriously the prize. Like that's why you'd buy it from Best Buy. I got it for five bucks. So I was like, free Kleenex box, yo. I mean, the obvious joke would be, wouldn't that go well with Dead or Alive? Yeah, it would. That, but you know, that's just stereotyping. <laughs> and we, we don't do that here on connectivity. No, we're classy people. We're classy. We are very classy and civilized. Very civilized. So collecting, um, well, we collect new games, but a lot of retro games too, like you said, on the SNES, um, GameCube. Like, isn't it weird saying GameCube is retro? Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. I remember when GameCube wasn't retro. I know, I it remember standing did. in line to get it. <laughs> I remember seeing commercials for it and not having it. But... <laughs> Such a good little system. Yeah. Well, I got one recently, actually, back to the collecting. I'm just going to keep saying that. Back to collecting. <laughs> um, I got a GameCube recently, or within the past year, and it was my first one. And it's it's pretty cool owning, you know, an actual system to play old games on rather than just downloading them on Virtual Console. I mean, at this point, there's no GameCube Virtual Console games. I would hope there is someday, though. Yeah, especially since they're releasing the GameCube adapter for the Wii U. Yeah! Yeah. No, but, like, I got Super Mario Sunshine, um, Wave Race, Blue Storm. That's a good game. Uh, yeah, um, I just got Spider-Man 2 for, like, a dollar at GameStop, but nice. it didn't have the- It didn't have the case, though, which bothers the crap out of me. Oh, yeah. But that's- that's back to collecting. Yeah, when- Cases- when Cases, I am obsessed with having the cases. Like, I just can't... It doesn't look right if I don't have a case. Yeah, that's... I mean, I'm the same way. When I bought... Uh, I bought Metroid Prime 2 three different times. First, when it was new, and it had a case. And then, you know, years later, I decided I didn't like it, and I sold it. And, uh, and I bought it again when Metroid Prime 3 was announced... Uh, just so I could get back into the series, and I got it from GameStop for like twenty dollars, and it didn't have a case. And I was like, yeah. "What? What?" And then I bought, uh, you know, the Metroid Prime trilogy. So I have a, the sad I have thing a is, yeah, the sad thing is, like at GameStop, a lot of the games, especially uh, they do this or did this with DS games, is they throw away the cases. Yeah, because I mean, there's just too many of them. Like, how many copies of Pony time <laughs> Barbie adventure can they have? Yeah, exactly. Eventually you have to start filling, you know, filling space with actual boxes yeah. of actual games and not whatever that is. Yeah, I, I don't know if that exists. I'm just guessing. There's there's several Barbie horse adventures games. I feel like, though, yeah. they should, like, even if they're not going to keep the game case out in the main store, they should at least keep it in the back. You know, when people yeah. buy Metroid Prime 2, they'll be like, let me go get you the box. I understand they have to save shelf space, but, you know, give me a friggin' box. Yeah. Um, uh, GameStop I went to, I was with my friend, and she bought... So 
some the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, I think, on 3DS. And so they're like, we don't have a case for you, but we'll do you one better. And then they give her, like, this cheap GameStop case. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what they said. They're like, we'll just do... Well, this is about as good. Yeah, sure. That. I've, uh, actually, I've actually bought... Um, uh, what am I trying to say? I have just bought empty cases from them in the past so that I can make Game Boy Advance cartridge uh, cases. That's that's a good idea. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, um, See, like, I've gone in games, I've thought, I've toyed with the idea of getting a game without the case and then printing out the cover. Right, I do But that. unless, I, see... You need access to a nice printer, though. Yeah, like, if I just printed it out from with computer paper, it would look like shit. Yeah. No, that's and... exactly right. I had to, uh, what I would do is I would uh, download all the covers from the cover project that I liked, put them on, like, a, a, you know, flash drive, and take them to Kinko's or something. Yeah. Um, on On the case that we're talking about of not having cases, right. I just want to give a big... Fuck you to Nintendo in 2006 for not giving Wii Sports a case. I know, right? Like, why do you... Who wants it in a fucking sleeve? I know. I I ended up taking one of the, like, double CD folder things. You know, there's one... You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. It goes in the middle of the spine. And putting Wii Sports on that and then putting that whole thing in Wii Sports Resort... So that they were both in the same case. But the Wii Sports Resort booklet is like friggin' huge. So it all just kind of squashed together. It really bugged me. Uh, well, when I got the Wii, I didn't get it till later on when they bundled it with both Wii Sports and Wii Sports Resort. Oh. And both of them didn't have cases. Why? It was frustrating. And they still came with a full manual. Well, Wii uh-huh. Sports Resort came with a full manual that didn't fit in the case. Why in God's name... I don't know. Would you put Wii Sports in the box when you already have Wii Sports Resort? Well, Wii Sports... Wait, what's your question? I'm confused Why, why would they give you both? The, good oh, well, one, the, the Wii Sports Resort is clearly superior. Uh, to give it good value, I guess. I guess. Yeah. I mean, that shit should just be installed on the system. Yeah. It should be like face raiders. Yeah, exactly. Okay, <laughs> kids, do you remember face raiders? Dude, face um, raiders got me through a friggin' hospital stay. It was amazing. Yeah, 3DS is like the universal system to take when you go to a hospital. Hell yeah. Yeah. And that's how I get sick of. That's how I got sick of like a couple of my games this year. Mario Kart Seven. Link Between Worlds. I'm like, I'm done with them. I played them in a hospital. I don't want to play them again. <laughs> and that's why I play my Vita more. My first first 3DS game, in fact, was Dead or Alive for review. And, uh... What was I going to say? Oh, and I played it in the hospital. It yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's there's great places you can play games um, now nowadays. Yeah, like you can play them in the dentist office. Um, yeah, that's true. And I do. Waiting. Yeah, 
yeah, doctor's office. Yep. Um, it, the person who Subway. <laughs> you know, a little little known fact about uh, uh, portable games: you can actually take your like old Game Boy Advance and Game Boy Color along with you too. They'll also work in a yeah. portable setting. I know that's so weird. A lot of weird, people though. don't know that. Yeah, they're just like, no, only 3ds or Vita. I'm like, no, son. You got uh, old no, games? Use them. Nobody says Vita except me. I, I like I, my Vita. I I got monsters. Uh, I got Monster Mo, whatever it's called, dude. Monster, and what the? What are you talking that, about? That that card game. Surely you've seen this. It's a card game where all the cards. I feel bad getting it. Um. I should first. Is it was it free? Yeah, it was a review code. I just asked for it, and they were. I said, I don't know if I can actually review this, but I'll write a blog post about it. Maybe he's like, "Cool." Did, did, here's it, a did code. it just come out? Yeah, it did. Is um, is it cross by with PS4? No, it's just a Vita game. I'll figure it out. Yeah, but it's it's yeah. kind of a dirty game, and I didn't realize how dirty it was until people started posting about it. Siren or. Seren. Seren started posting about it on Twitter after I'd gotten the review code, and I was like, maybe I don't want to play this shit. <laughs> yeah, um, that can happen uh, with games. Uh, even back in the old days. Yeah. Back before I was born, they, they <laughs> there were Atari porn games. Mm-hmm. I, see, I learned all this from Angry Video Game Nerd. Uh, there was 3DO porn. Well, it wasn't really a <laughs> I'm pretty oh, I don't plum- think anything could be. Plumbers don't wear ties. Have you ever heard of that? I, I only have reason not. I know it is because of Angry Video Game Nerd. Just search it and it's pretty funny. I will. Anyways, back to collecting. <laughs> that's, so, what do you collect specifically? I collect games. Uh, I mean, that's mainly what I collect. I have the games, but outside of gaming, I have a Star Wars collection. Right. I have a comic book collection. I have a Star Wars comic book collection. Any any particular comics outside of Star Wars? Uh, well, see, I've just been, like, buying new comics and I read them, and I... Mostly Marvel. Yeah. Um, like, I don't... I haven't gone back to, like, buy expensive old, like, back issues. Right, right. Uh, it's mainly just, like... Oh, I got a new issue that came out in 2014, but maybe I should wrap it up just in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's a good that's a good policy. Oh, uh, and Lego, Lego stuff. Oh, nice man! I used to collect Lego all the friggin' time, but it's so friggin' expensive now. Yeah, it really is. There's a, uh, they, I mean, they released this back when I was a teenager, uh, when the original trilogy came out again when they re-released it in theaters. Lego came out with a TIE, uh, a TIE fighter, an X-Wing. And it was a re-release of the original X-Wing from, you know, who knows when. And I didn't buy it because it costs like $80. Which and is they, nothing compared to today. Today, yeah. So now, today, recently, not recently, maybe within the few last few years, they came out with ago. kind of yeah, an updated X-Wing. X-Wing with new, you know, newer pieces. And that's like $70 when it's on sale. I yeah, really uh, want that thing, but it's stupid expensive. The ultimate, I'm pretty sure that's the ultimate collector series X-Wing. 
Yeah. It's $200. Oh, good lord. The most expensive Lego Star Wars set, at least of, that I can think of, is uh, the Death Star. Which oh, is, did, they, did they release that to the public? I saw pictures yeah. of it. It's and it comes with all the minifigures, and you open it up and stuff. Oh um, damn! But well, it's all open, so you see all the little scenes that took place on the Death Star. Yeah, Death Star. Um, and that's four hundred dollars. Oh god, lord! You is could, it like is it enormous though? It's pretty. It's yeah. It's pretty big. I think I saw a maybe Ultimate Collector's Edition two of the Millennium Falcon. And it, it yeah. looked it looked like it would take up your whole table. It was it looked huge. Yeah, they they uh, that's the problem with Lego is it takes up a lot of space. True, and it's very hard to dust. Oh yeah, I know that for sure. You got to dunk that stuff in water and yeah, let it dry. Especially, but it sucks when they cheap out and they use stickers instead right. of and the stickers printing. just peel right off. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember back in my day, they used to print on Lego. Yeah, no. It was pretty awesome. I have some older sets with printing. A lot of McDonald's ones for some reason. Really? I don't know. They had they, they made a McDonald's set at one point. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Kind of cool. Kind of weird. So, I think it's been around 20 minutes of two Zacks talking and just enthralling. Is that even a word? I think yeah. so. And our audience has, their IQ has gone up. It they, must have. It must have. Their health has, inc- their health points have increased. And I haven't even, I haven't even talked about my, you know, certain kind of collecting. If we want yes. their, if we want their IQ points to drop. No. No? No. No. I mean, uh, <coughs> well, if you want to talk about it, we can. Well, I, your- I collect video game stuff, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I just I just last year I got a a virtual boy. Oh, that uh, that that in box, hurt your eyes. In box, by the way. That's that's pretty awesome. You know, the yeah. the weirdest thing about the virtual boy though, like the screen is a centimeter away from your eyes and I'm nearsighted, so I should be able to see it real clear, but yeah. I need my glasses to see it. Otherwise, it is totally blurry. I don't know why. It bothers me. But Wait, if I have I, my if I have my glasses on, I can actually play it for a pretty long time. I'm not sure if I told you or if I said it on a podcast, but I remember telling some people from NWR my deep dark secret that when I was little and I had a Game Boy Advance SP, I would put it directly uh, 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 like on my eyes so the game would be full screen. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I heard I, that story. I remember doing that. That that's terrible. You're gonna like the Oculus Rift then, because that's basically what it is. <laughs> well, screw that. That's Facebook. I'll get the project. Oh, the Morpheus. Yes. Yeah. I I those should both be at E3. I would think. I I'd like to see what they have there. And do you know what's not going to be at E3? Third party games on Wii U. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 Except I, maybe Watch Dogs. Oh God. Um, I've been, uh, you know, I, I made some off the wall E3 predictions. I won't go into them here, but, uh, one of them was, uh, it ties into my co- other collection. Um, I predicted that Super Sonico will be announced in Smash Brothers and, uh, Super Sonico is a figure. Uh, I own about five Sonicos, maybe six. 
I collect um, girly figures from Japan. What well, I'm I think I've heard of Supersonico. What wasn't there a figure released on the same day as the 3DS? I wouldn't be surprised. As I remember seeing pictures that there was longer lines in Japan for this figure <laughs> than there were <laughs> for the 3DS. That would be sad. She has she has pink hair and she's always wearing headphones, big headphones, and uh she's Oh, is she, is she a Vocaloid? No, god no. Oh, <laughs> you might be talking about Miku. Stupid. Oh. Hat, Hatsune Miku. Oh. That's See, a beta uh, game, right? Don't you yeah. That? I don't have it, but yeah, that does exist. People people love that friggin' game. People have paid money for that. Yeah. It sounds like it's just like Amplitude or something. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I own probably 50 figures of various... Sizes, scales. Yeah. I'm very proud of them. They're my girls. Dude, yeah. funny story. Might have already heard this. Well, so we when can we let our listeners hear. Well, let our listeners hear. So I go to PAX East, right? I'm the first one in our hotel. Alex is next. And he, I forget how we get on the topic. But he's always thought that when I was talking about my girls on the show, I was talking about my daughters. I said to him, dude, I don't have kids. He's like, what are you talking about? Let me show you. I pulled up my figure collection on my touch. He's like, oh, that's different. Yeah, well. It really is, buddy. But how did he, I don't, that's, I don't know how he could have thought that. Well, I guess I never explicitly said my busty PVC plastic girls. <laughs> with uh, with removable underwear on some of them. Some of them have right? removable tops, yep. You know, when I started when I started collecting these things, my uh my intent was only to collect gaming girls. And yes, I started I out I started out with Kasumi from Dead or Alive, and then I got Velvet from Odin Sphere. And uh it kind of just eventually blossomed into other areas but you know that was the intent yeah yeah well before we go um what's the maybe your game collection do you know how many games you have no i've i've been downsizing in the last few years because like you say you know these boxes take up a lot of room and i I'm always wary, like, I don't want to be in a situation where I have to move, and I, I'm not saying I'm going to move soon, but if that should ever happen, and I don't want to take up several boxes of just game stuff. Yeah. Um. So for me, uh, my, I used, I tell this to a lot of people because it's true, my 3DS collection at least, I used to have 50 games. So every 3DS game. Yeah, at one point I did, and... Like that that was my gamer, my my Nintendo cred. Nice. Like I, yeah, so I'd go around and say, Yeah, I have fifty games. And the power glove and it's so bad. You have well, a power glove? No, I don't. Oh. But, uh just referencing the wizard. That's something I've a, always wanted just to have. I know it's shit, but I've always just wanted it. Well maybe you can ask that um Isaiah to borrow his. Isaiah Triforce Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he'll lend it to you. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah, I'd also need a working NES. 
Yeah, that's true, too. So, I think we've talked about a lot of great things. I think when two Zacks come together, and they just Zack off with each other, (laughs) great things happen. Yep, I agree. On that note, I'm Zach Kaplan, and... I'm Zach Miller. Bye. Bye! Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Don't forget you can send your listener mail to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Now that E3 has passed, it's the perfect time. Send us your questions and comments, etc. I would love to answer them on the show. And if you've got a moment, please rate and review the show on iTunes. Thanks.